Welcome to the Anonymous Andrew Podcast. Life and the choices we make. The choices other people make. Why we choose to ignore the red flags. Red flags like gaslighting, cheating, addiction, mental illness, and much more. What role do they play in relationships? Follow me each week as we discuss these topics with anonymous guests and experts to hopefully become better humans, resulting in better choices. Like I say, been there, still doing that. Now on to the show. Hello, Anonymous Andrew here with you again. Another episode pre-note. I just finished recording an episode with Anna Thelman. And Anna Thelman is a sexual intimacy coach operating from China. Her practice lies in focusing on guiding women to get their orgasm back. And and, and there's much more in her bio. When I came across um, Anna in the venue where podcasters look for guests and or look to be a guest on a podcast, at first I said, no, this is not the topic that would be um, appropriate for my podcast. Obviously, my podcast is life and the choices we make, um, gaslighting and relationships, self-respect, self-worth, um, and, and how to recognize them and get out of a relationship if you're stuck in one, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but there was something about Anna that intrigued me, and I went to her website, and of course, we emailed back and forth, and then ultimately we did a pre-interview, and wow, um, I am so happy that I proceeded with this uh, recording. So what you're about to hear is my interview with Anna Thelman, and she has so much to offer, so much um, different insight and, and perspective on this topic of gaslighting and, and, and self-empowerment and knowing when it's the right time to leave a relationship or um, after the relationship even getting back out there into the world. So um, I really enjoyed this interview, and I hope you do too. I now present to you Anna Thelman. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Anonymous Andrew back today with a very, very special episode. Today we have a uh, not only a special guest, but a guest from halfway around the world. We have Anna Thelman with us today. And Anna Thelman is a sexual intimacy coach, and she's operating out of China, where her focus lies in guiding women to get their orgasm back. Um, I'd like to say good morning, Thelma, but it's evening where you are. Would you like to say hello? Yes, hello, and thank you. Yeah, it's uh, evening for me, 12 hours ahead of you. <laughs> I, I have to say, I don't think I've ever spoken to anybody in China before, so this is a first for me. Tell us a little bit about why you're in China and what you do there. Well, I came for love. My partner got a job offer here. I wanted to be with him, so I made this conscious decision. I want to be with him. And that's why I'm giving up my life in England and come to China. So I'm here having my own business here. I set up my own company here, working as a sexual intimacy coach, coach as well as I'm the emotional health specialist for the expert here in China. And we have a lot. So it's a lot of help needed. Uh, 
interesting question. Uh, just maybe it's just my ignorance about China, but is that something that China embraces? The country, the the government. I mean, or, or... well, the thing is, for coaching, there is no Chinese word for coaching. Okay. So, okay. And uh, that, that's the thing. I help the experts, so the foreigners here in China, the English and German speaking community, okay. because for them it's a particular strain on the relationship coming here to a new country with foreign people, foreign language, foreign culture. They they can't read anything, they can't speak, they don't understand anyone, and it's a shock. And for the spouses who come, the partners go to work, so they have their community. They have something to do all day long. But the spouses stay at home, they have to find their own community. And sometimes that's very tricky, particularly when you have when you feel homesick, when you feel like I miss my family, I miss my friends, I miss how everything is in, in my home country. And that can have big impact in the relationship. Okay. And you're, and you're yes. originally from, you, you mentioned your home country. Where is that? Well, I, I was born in Romania. I grew up in Germany. And before China, I lived over 10 years in England. Okay. So you better, yeah. well, global <laughs> traveling, right? Okay. Okay, Anna. So one one might ask, why why do I have you on my podcast uh, today? Mm -hmm. And uh, part of my story is the 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 sexual trauma that I went through. Um, my audience knows the story. Uh, I, I guess let's talk about. Uh, the, the woman that I was dating, or not, I shouldn't say dating, that I was in a relationship with would often um, withhold sex. I shouldn't say withhold sex. She didn't withhold sex. She would have intimacy with me, but her body was off limits many times. And I, I've explained to the audience why and insinuated what I think she was doing. Um, but the, the bottom line was that she was with other men. And often it what I, what I would see... Um, in her pelvic region, her vagina was swollen and bruised. So it was clearly that she was uh, with other men. And yet I stayed and I put up with this. And even though I confronted her multiple times, uh, which insulted her because she had this vain idea or concept of herself um, and she was living two lives, but to insinuate to this the culture that she comes from, what she was doing is an insult and she would break up with me only to come back a week later and and we would just pick up again here's here's where the problem lies for for people in relationships like myself if we go through something traumatic like that a a, a relationship that has infidelity um and sometimes the way that we would have it our intimacy wasn't it wasn't intercourse it would be uh, everything but intercourse because she was her vagina was unavailable to me that's traumatizing and i i am now seven months post breakup and i'm looking to get back into the dating world as uh, and i did speak to a young woman yesterday who's also doing the same we are traumatized and why did i stay and deal with this infidelity and um how do i move forward from here um, 
I'm, I'm afraid to date. I'm afraid to have sex. I'm afraid to get close to anybody and open my heart. Let's let's take that from there. If you can shed some light on that. Well, thank you for sharing again. Well, we humans, we love to be in a pack. Yeah? We love other people around us. And most of all, we love to be loved. We are all searching for that one special person that loves us no matter what. Yeah? And, and I would just guess that she was that person to you. You wanted to be loved by her. And you were afraid. If I lose her, I might not find anyone else who gives me not just the physical intimacy, but the emotional intimacy, the intellectual intimacy, the social intimacy, all of these different levels of intimacy. And like you said before, the devil we know. So I'd rather stay in a situation where I know what is going to happen instead of going into the unknown, even if the unknown could be so much better. Mm. But in the situation we are in, we don't see that. We just think everything after this will be horrible. It will be destroying. It, I will never meet anyone else again. So you I, just stayed because simply you wanted to be loved. Yeah. I, I had blinders on, you know, that they call them mm -hmm. blinders. And, and I did not see my future and did not see anything outside those blinders. And and here I am today, almost in this, I, I don't see a future for myself because I'm, I'm shutting myself down. Uh, I'm, I'm not allowing myself to be marketed. Um, Do you I, allow yourself to grieve? Uh, wow. Um, this podcast is part of the grieving process. This is the first time uh, part of my story is that every relationship that I was in, when it ended, I would not grieve. I would jump into another relationship just to not think about what I just lost. And it would be what to be jumping from one, uh, one leaf to the next one tree to the next so this time I'm taking some time off um, and trying to grieve. So I, I am, but I don't know what the grief process looks like or what it should look like or what it should com be composed of. So yes, I'm grieving, but I don't know how long, how long does that take? Until you're ready. The question is because you said you are back in the dating game. You're looking for someone. Do you feel like you grieved enough to be stable ready open for being loved again to go back into the dating game to find someone new i i i don't know i think maybe that's why i i have told the audience that i'm back on a dating app um and i i, I did it for two reasons one to do some research for the for the podcast but two the summer's coming and 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 i would love to have a, a female companion but I don't think I'm ready for love again or or be in a relationship. But dating, I, I would like to have a, a companion to take down to the ocean and have dinner and walk on the boardwalk. Um, but no, I don't think I'm ready to open my heart up to somebody yet. Hmm. So you're looking for a friend? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... Anna, I don't know what I'm looking for because I'm lost. I'm still lost. Yeah. yeah. 
and and I think because you haven't grieved, you're not ready yet. Uh, let me offer you this um, this idea. Um, when you build a house, in order to build a house, which is a relationship, you need to have a strong foundation. And the foundation in this case is you. And now you're going out and the foundation isn't strong. The foundation is broken. The foundation is insecure. The foundation isn't trusting. The foundation isn't ready. And yet you want to build a house on that. Mm. And we know when you build a house on an unstable foundation, it won't, it won't last. No, it'll crumble. Yeah. So instead of trying to build that house, take the time to make the foundation as strong as possible. Fortify the, the foundation, yeah. Yeah, because without that foundation, you won't have that relationship that you crave, that long-lasting foundationship, that healthy relationship. I'm not sure I would recognize a healthy relationship at this point. Uh, I, as I told you in the pre-interview, that I, I'm 63 and I've been married and I have children and grandchildren and I've been in relationships all my life and not one has lasted more than, except for my marriage, lasted more than seven years. Uh, and that wasn't obviously healthy. Uh, I got divorced when I was young, got married young, divorced young. I, I'm not sure I would recognize a healthy relationship at this point. But I find myself at the age of 63 saying, I, I don't have much time left. I don't know how much time I have left on this earth. And I would like to enjoy my golden years sharing my life with somebody. And I'm but sure- you also said that you never took the time between the relationships. No, I didn't, no, no. So you went from broken to broken to broken to broken. Correct. So you tried to build one house onto that broken foundation again and again and again. Mm -hmm. So, and now you're trying it again by yeah. finding companionship. <laughs> yeah. And the problem with finding companionship is I'll find a nice lady that, yes, I buy an ice cream on the boardwalk and we enjoy the sunset and then I'll want to see her again and see her again. And then that will develop into a relationship. And I'll find, like you said, I'll find myself repeating that the pattern. And so I, I would, I would literally need to either not do this at all or just proceed with caution and not fall into that um, pattern. It's tricky. I So for anybody in the audience who might be in my position, but maybe they have grieved or maybe they have moved on and, and are ready to date again, what would be, as we discussed earlier, how do we recognize the signs of a healthy relationship, somebody who's healthy? Or if we do see red flags early in the relationship, what do we do? Like we, like before, I had the blinders on. I was in denial. I saw the red flags, but I ignored them. Is there something we can do to not fall into this pattern? Okay, so with the grieving, let's start there. First of all, grieving is how long would it take you to overcome the death of someone you loved? And now if you picture it for your in your situation, if 
your ex-girlfriend would have died, would you be ready after eight months to go and look for a new relationship? Probably not, no. So you're, I guess you're still grieving that. Mm -hmm. And we forget that. We grieve that relationship. We grieve the loss of the trust. We grieve the loss of the love. It's, it's grieving and it takes time. For everyone, a different length. But if you put it in that relations, how long, how long would it take me to grieve if that person would just die mm. to then be ready and say, yes, I'm open to receive love again. And if you say I would still grieve, I wouldn't be ready, then you're not ready yet. And I, I understand you want companionship. Maybe just change the words. Just say, I want a friend. I a want friend. someone who I can do all of these things. Lady friend, even female, uh, male friends, it doesn't matter. But companionship is someone who understands me, who wants to spend time with me, who I can have fun with, who I can share my thoughts, idea with, without being cautious, without having to step the foot on the brake and saying, mm. ooh, this is too far. And I, that's human behavior. We want companionship. But it's how you put it in your mind, what perspective you put on do I want a relationship, which I'm not ready for? Or do I actually just want someone I can talk to, listen to, spend time with? And then go for that. If, if that's what you want, look for that. Look for that companionship, but name it. Name it. I want a friend. Because how we name it in our brain okay. is very important so we know what we are actually looking for. And... Um, so you give yourself time to grieve. That's, I'd say, I think it's very important. Give yourself the time because you need to fix that foundation. You want a lasting relationship for the next 20 years. You know, for the last 40 years, what a non-fixed foundation gave you. Yeah. So if you don't fix it now, that's what you will get in the future because you're just repeating your pattern. Yeah. One thing I may have not mentioned to you, the audience knows, is that I am in recovery. So I'm a recovering alcoholic. So most of my life, there was a lot of uh, alcohol and drug abuse. So that right there does not make for a healthy relationship. I do have eight years of sobriety now. So I've been trying to figure this whole thing out in sobriety. Um, but I'm, I, I, it's, I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> So I'm trying to, 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 I'm still like lost in the jungle with or without alcohol. It, it doesn't matter. It's still under, underneath all of the, the, the persona. I have to change. I have this Superman syndrome where I see a woman in distress, you know, the damsel in distress, and I come swooping in. And I think that's what happened in this relational relationship. She would tell me about all the trauma she went through in her childhood and I was there to come in and swoop her off her feet and say, I'll take care of you and I'll make it all better. Not taking care of me. I didn't take care of me. Yeah. And I think with when you're an addict anyway, holding on to patterns mm -hmm. is a strong feeling. And with your alcoholism, with the drugs, you learned to break these patterns but you haven't learned to break your relationship pattern yet. No, no, I haven't. It's, 
when you just focus out and just look at the big picture, it's the same. It's the same pattern that we do. And until we break it, nothing will change. So it's up to you. You have to make the decision, the same decision that you made. I, I now am sober and I stay sober. The decision that you made then yeah. is how that you can make, okay, it didn't work in the past how I did it. Mm -hmm. Something needs to change. And I do this now. Because repeating the pattern didn't get you to the result that you wanted. Yeah, repeating, the, what's the phrase? Repeating the same behavior over and over, expecting different results is the definition yeah. of insanity. Yeah, that's what we use. In the, yeah. <laughs> it, is, it doesn't really work, does it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and what comes then with breakups, particularly, or in your situation, I just guess that you don't trust yourself anymore. Mm. And I just, it's a wild guess here again, when mm. you meet these ladies or when you met the lady, there is like a mind drama going on in your head while you talk to her, you're looking for red flags. You try to analyze, maybe when you go home, you go through it. Was there a red flag? Is this something I should be cautious of? So it's not like enjoyment and fun. Now, now once, that's a very good point you just brought up. I, I never stopped to think, uh, after she would leave, she would sit here for hours and then we would have dinner and then she'd go home. And that night I was in on that pink cloud. Oh, wow, she's beautiful. And, and I not once stopped to think about the discussion we had about the trauma she went through as a child, the trauma she went through as a young adult. And, the, and, and by the way, she, her husband had cheated on her just six months prior to meeting me. So she hadn't healed from her relationship with her 20 year marriage that there is a red flag that I should have said, she's not ready to get into a relationship. So I should have see, this comes down to should have, would have, could have, you know, and um, yeah, but the thing is, it's, it's not about her. It's all no. about you. Yes. It's not about the other person. It's just about you. And when you feel ready to move on, it's your time. And when you are ready to trust yourself that you see these red flags and that you act on those red flags, okay. that's all that matters. And it doesn't matter where the other person is because we never know that. We just know maybe 50% of their story, maybe 70, maybe 80, maybe 90, but we never know 100% of their story. But we know our story. Mm. So all we can do is take responsibility for what we have and I think for you, it's important to build that trust in yourself for the next relationship when the foundation is strong and you want to build again, that you are confident that when these red flags come up, whatever they are for you, that you're strong enough and confident enough that you say, this doesn't work for me. I'm leaving. Yeah, I couldn't do that. Um... And I think it was my lack of self-esteem, my lack of self-worth or self-respect uh, to allow someone. So, wow, this is very good. Um, how will I or someone in my shoes know when we're ready? How do we know when we're done grieving? Is, is, is there a defining moment? <laughs> there, is, there is the light bulb that goes no. off for... <laughs> <laughs> they just come singing. It's not. It's not like that. 
Um, but something that you can do to get there is stop comparing yourself to the past. Uh, because that's what we tend to do. Oh, I couldn't do it in, in the past. So I'm not able to do it now. We are comparing the person we are now with the person that we've been a month ago, a year ago, 10 years ago. And we think we are still that person. And we think that we still haven't learned from our experiences. And even if we repeated the patterns, we still learned something. There is constant learning going on. And you now said, yeah, there wasn't self-esteem. That's learning. You know why you didn't do what you didn't do. You are aware of that. So you're much further along that you've been in the relationship before or the relationship before that. So stop comparing yourself to your past self. You are here in the now. And now you can make the decision that you want to change it. And that's this conscious de decision, what's happened in the past is in the past. I've learned from it. I'm okay with it. I accept myself for being weak, undecisive, and whatever else in the past. And now I learn from it and I grow from it. This The, the self-acceptance of the good, the bad, and the ugly, that is us. Not being ashamed, not feeling deflated or self-shame or all of that. That doesn't get you anywhere. No. And it's and, not needed. And there's also the part of forgiving myself because I am often uh, and and I'm, I'm sure many people might relate to this often just brushing your teeth in the morning looking at yourself in the mirror i look at myself and i say what a dummy how, how did you let this happen to yourself uh i i'm often you know i i i'm in the it world i'm an educated man i also have been in the mental health world for 20 years i i run a peer-to-peer -peer support group for people so i i'm familiar with mental illness i'm a suicide advocate a suicide prevention advocate and and yet i i, I look at myself and say how did you let this up so it's a matter of, of forgiving myself or beating myself up over and over again and um mm. Is there any any way for anybody who might be in the same boat? How, how does one begin to go about forgiving themselves or, or not blaming themselves anymore? Well, the, the easiest thing is to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, like you yeah. look at yourself and when the thought comes up, like, thank you, brain, for wanting to do this now. I've got this. Mm. It's as simple. You just, because you have this inner voice. Yeah. in your head in your brain and that's beating you up all the time particularly when it comes to things that you fucked up yeah there's this constant self-shape but you take the power away when you like with a bully when a bully comes to you and you say hi bully thank you for paying attention to me i've got this the bully is like whoa mm. what's going on here yeah. yeah it's the same with that voice in your brain it's a little bully and the thing is this little bully in your brain wants to protect you from emotional harm so it tells you all of this so you don't go out and yeah. 
meet other people so you don't get hurt again. It's almost so like a self-defense mechanism. Exactly. It yeah. wants to protect you. But you don't need that protection. Not anymore. You maybe needed it when you were younger as a child, but now as a grown-up, you're capable of protecting yourself. So just by recognizing that voice and say, ah, there it is. Thank you. Thank you for looking out for me. Thank you for wanting to protect me. But I've got this. And you will notice that that voice will quieten down. Yeah, that's, um, you know, having this conversation with you, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I don't, the, as you were talking, uh, a book came up in my mind. I don't know if you've ever heard of The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, but it talks no, about, it talks about that voice in your head. And um, in my case, I, I'm always creating a narrative in my head about what it should look like or what it, what, what is, so I have to stop doing that. Um, in the in the recovery world, we're, we're taught to take it one day at a time, you know. But I I I've already have. If I meet a woman, I already have it planned out where we're going to live, where we're going to retire, where we're going to get married, you know. And, and that's bad. That's that's just that's the voice in my head that's one step ahead of me. So um, anything else you can offer us? Um, so we let's say we do find somebody and and the person we're ready. Let's say a year from now I'm ready to date and I I do find someone. Will that trust automatically come? Because Anna, I'm I'm definitely afraid of having sex again. I, I'm afraid that the next woman that I take into my bedroom or her bedroom, that because the last thing that I saw from my last relationship and the breakup was that morning when I looked down at her vagina and it was just the size of an orange. Uh, it's, it's really a, a very traumatic visual I have in my head, you know? Uh, so a year from now, if I'm fortunate enough or ready to be with a woman sexually, I'm concerned that that flashback in my head might pop up. And is there anything, I, I don't know if the audience can relate to that, but I'm sure there's people who have had similar experiences where how does one begin a sexual life again after experiencing being cheated on and lied to and... and... So because what we do when, when we get cheated on is we blame ourselves. How yeah. couldn't I see this? Why didn't I notice? We blame ourselves and we don't trust ourselves. The self-trust, the trust in ourselves is gone. We always talk about, I don't trust my partner anymore. But what we actually say is, I don't trust myself anymore. Because I don't trust myself to see the red flags, to make a decision for the better good of me. Mm. So I would say, when you are ready, to trust yourself, to make the best decision for yourself, whatever that decision is, even if, if that means leaving, even if that means staying. But when you are ready to make that decision for the best for you, then you are ready to trust someone else. Because otherwise, if you go in it before that, you look for the other person to confirm 
that you can trust them and therefore can trust yourself. So you're always depending on the other person's behavior, what they right. say, how they react to give you the uh, confirmation that you can now trust yourself. And that's not healthy. No, that's not good for yourself. And that's not good for the other person. But if you trust yourself, that no matter what happens, I make the best decision for myself. Then you can go to another person with open arms and can just give them the trust and, and the love and you can receive it without questioning it constantly. Yeah. Because you know, when shit hits the fan, I know that I can trust myself and I make the best decision for me. Interesting, because as you're explaining that, I don't, I know I'm not there yet. So, um, you give yourself the time. Yeah. Sometimes we don't look at, uh, I, I, the, my age is always a thing in my mind is like, uh, I'm healthy 63. I I'm in pretty good shape and I'm eating healthy, but I, I am, I'm always looking at my, when my, how my mother died, how my father died, how my grandparents died. And I'm putting a number in my head. I'm, I may make it to 76 or 78, my, but I had a grandfather who lived to 88. I'm always thinking about my mortality I, as we get older. You start really thinking about it and looking at it. And I, I'm putting a clock on my love life as if I need to do something now because I don't, I, I don't want to be 68 when I find that next woman. So it, it's, it's all about that voice that you talked about in the head again. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. That was telling you it needs to happen now. But then from an, an objective perspective, do you rather want to wait five years, work on yourself, love yourself as much as you can, trust mm -hmm. yourself and be happy with yourself, and then have the last 10 years in a loving, fulfilled relationship? Or do you want to jump in now and have another three, four, five relationships that yeah. no. break down in a no. couple of years? No. <laughs> it's no. up to you. It's your choice. You yeah. always have choice <laughs> no i'm i'm done with that um it, it's i've been doing that for 40 years so um yeah I, I i as scary as it sounds to wait whether it's one year or five years to get serious with somebody it is the healthy and wise choice and that's what this podcast is about cho the choices we make um so okay um uh, so anything um, else that you can offer the audience? Um... Yes, yes. Um, about the red flags, because that's a big topic in your podcast. Um, I want to offer an exercise. Oh, good. So when I want to, to make a list of the, the big, big no-go flags, where you say, oh, my God, this is a no-go. When, when this happens, then I'm leaving. I'm looking for a pen so I can write this down. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Okay. And that is from your current perspective. So it's a screenshot of today. Mm -hmm. Today. If this happens, if she lies to me, I'm leaving. Yeah? Yeah. And you make this list. First, you make that list with all those topics. And then you go back 
to that list. Because we humans, we love to think in extremes, good, bad. But we forget about the gray. Because when you say, if she lies to me, I'm leaving her. But if she lies to you saying, I like salmon, and then it turns out she hates salmon, would you leave her? Probably not, but it's still a lie. So define your points. What do you mean when you say cheating? Is it texting with someone else? Is it flirting with someone else? Is it just intercourse with someone else? What does it mean to you when mm. you say, if this happens, then I leave? Right. So you get a wider perspective on what do these red flags mean to me? And your brain works with it. And then the next time you meet someone, you might not see it as it's a red flag. Yeah, she just said it. It's okay. We can talk about it. I will reinforce my boundaries. I will tell her, please be honest. I'd rather forgive uh, an ugly truth than a beauty lie. Um, and it's okay. I can live with that. But define it so your brain knows what it's looking for. Where are the red flags? So then it has a clear direction. And we're looking for is sleeping with someone else. He's telling me, uh, for giving me false information about his money, whatever it is, mm. whatever is important to you. But your brain then knows uh, this is what we're actually looking for, not for all the other stuff that is in the gray zone that we don't really care about. That's interesting because I I, I, I have this, I guess, core mantra, um, and sometimes it's to my detriment, is honesty, even if it hurts. So if somebody came to me and asked me a direct question or a partner and asked me, um, did, did, uh, did, were you texting another woman yesterday? Uh, and if I was, I'm going to say yes, uh, um, because I believe in honesty. And then um, I, I guess that's probably a, a poor example, because I when I'm in a relationship in sobriety, I do not cheat. I'm very loyal, but but I understand where you what, what you just said. I So making this list is... Um, a list of acceptable boundaries that we want to recognize for yeah first of all you want to define your really red flags you want to okay. define in detail what okay. are the situations where I would actually want to leave even if you might not be sure if you are strong enough now mm. to leave but this is something that you could say yeah, I, I would want to live with that. And it's just for you to have the distinction because we are humans, because we live in these extremes. Yeah. And when we just say, I don't want him to lie, that can mean so many things. And when we come then to the situation where someone lies to us, when we have defined it, when we know this is a total no-go, but all of these other things, that's a gray. How do a I gray, deal with yeah, that? Yeah. It doesn't put us into this fight or flight situation because it's not just a lie. It's like, ah, uh, it's, it's a gray lie. It's not this big, big red lie. Does it make sense? Yeah. And, and as you, as you were explaining that, what image popped up in my head is that honeymoon period in every relationship, those first three to six to eight months that we put our best face forward, our, our best uh, self, you know, we, we present 
we're extra careful and we're extra um I, I interviewed a young woman yesterday and she had a relationship a couple summers ago where the man, the male at the beginning of the relationship was the perfect gentleman. She said there was, he was so perfect as a gentleman. It, at the end, looking back now, she said it just, that was the red flag in itself. Nobody can be that perfect. And of course it wasn't. He ended up uh, cheating on her and ghosting her and all this stuff just three or four months later. But um, I'm thinking of that early part of the relationship. You, we, the both people in the relationship most likely will put their best self forward. So they may tell us something that might not be true, or it might be that well, they call them the white lies, um, just because they think we want to hear that or that would make us happy to know that. Um, so that's that gray. I think that gray area is where we define what we accept in the beginning of the relationship. But that's the part that I that I got sucked into the vortex of this relationship. In in that beginning, I didn't establish those boundaries. Yeah, and you didn't set the values, right? Your relationship values. Yeah, and you probably haven't done it in the past. None, not many of us do it. That we have the values, like every business mm -hmm. has the values. Why do they do the business? What do they want to achieve? And it's similar with the relationship. When we know what we want to get out of a relationship, why we're doing it, where we're heading, it is much easier to then talk to the other person and reinforce our boundaries or even bring them across and say, this is important to me. Are you on board? Or is that something that we need to talk about? And then you talk about it. Because it's always a negotiation. You, what's in your mind right. isn't in the other person's mind, but it's important to bring that across. I have this bad habit of when I'm in a relationship, I will create, again, that narrative, how I think things should go or how I think, even if it's just planning a day trip, how I think it's, but I never discuss it with my partner, what, what's what I'm thinking. <laughs> And I just assumed that they can read my mind. And it's a bad <laughs> habit of mine. Yeah, it's a bad habit of mine. Um, Anna, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I, I'd like, so can I ask you, you're, uh, you're an intimacy coach, I guess is what a, is your... Sexual intimacy coach, yes. Okay. Are you limited to China or are you... you no, no, I, I work online, of course. Great. So many of my clients are all over the world. I have right. some in China, here in Shenyang, yes, but most of them are all over the world. So I work online. Okay, so uh, I do have your uh, contact information. I'll put all of that in the show notes. And to my audience, I, I highly recommend that if you're looking for, uh, if you're having struggles in your intimacy, um, and uh, you're also, uh, tell us a little bit more about what you do for people. Well, like similar, like let's let's take you as an example. If you would come and be my client, I would help you to get regain the trust in yourself, to feel confident, to go these next steps, to feel confident enough to build that foundation, mm -hmm. make it strong, and with that go out again and find that relationship and get your orgasm back in the get end. Get your orgasm back. Okay. So, That's yeah, where I was going. Okay. 
yeah, yeah that's that's the outcome but i i work with the mindset with um the feeling how you feel because i empower i do self-empowerment because without that without the self-acceptance yeah. life won't change to the extent that you wanted to, to be happy with it and that's where I help my clients to find that and with that have a better, improved, intimate life. Okay. So people can reach out to you um, through your website and um, I, I'll put your email in the show notes where they can contact you. I, I, I personally highly recommend you because just this come, I've had several life coaches on and um, each one is different. They all have a different perspective but your take, I really, um, I have to think about uh, this conversation we had because I'm, I'm not clearly ready to, to, even like you said, not even dating, just call it a friend. And I think that's really, really where you shifted my thinking. And I, and I think that's important. So Anna, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, it has been a pleasure. Maybe we'll have you back um, sometime in the future where we can give you some updates and maybe you have some things to offer us. Well, thank you for having me.